This episode contains depictions of violence that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. to the new witches i'm maria i'm laura and this is our spooky episode we've made it number 73 oh my gosh can you believe <laughs> i have some very exciting news to share oh yeah mm-hmm. share yeah. away um i'm engaged yay yay <laughs> in case you um, didn't see yeah in case you didn't see on social media um Gavin, the Lizard Lord, and Patreon members will understand that reference. <laughs> he um, popped the question this last weekend. Um, we went over to his family's, and it was under the premise of um, he had gotten a promotion at work recently. Not mm-hmm. re- super recently, but a, a couple months ago. And we've just all been in and out of town um, the two families, so we were finally all in town, and so they're like, all right, now let's plan this dinner to celebrate Gavin now that we're all finally in town. And that's what I thought we were there to celebrate. Um, <laughs> and when I got there with my family, my folks, um, all his family was there as well, including um, like his uh, sister's boyfriend, too. So it was just like everyone was there. We're chatting, and then I actually, we were in the kitchen, and I noticed that the window to the backyard, like, the blinds were drawn, which I didn't mm-hmm. think much of, um, but then there was also, like, a painting leaning against one of the windows next to the kitchen sink that also leads to the backyard, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, that's a design choice. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not very <laughs> bright on the weekends. Um, and his mom asked me to come upstairs to look at a room that she's thinking of redesigning to like get my opinion or something and so I'm up there with my mom for a little bit and Gavin's mom and when I came back down his sister asked me to go look for Gavin in the backyard to make sure that he had started up the grill for dinner Mm -hmm. and when I went back there I saw the whole setup, and then his other sister was outside with a camera, capturing the whole moment. Um, and it was really beautiful. If you don't follow me on Instagram, um, check it out. There's photos there, but in case you mm-hmm. don't have Instagram for some weird reason. Um, <laughs> uh, they set up this, like, rose petal lined path and also it was also lined with candles in mason jars leading to this little archway and gavin was obviously right there at the end there was like these flowers adorning it and there was a table that had these light up letters that said marry me um yeah and then i uh i walked down there and then i pretty much blacked out and then suddenly there's a ring on my finger so (laughs) (laughs) i can't even tell you what he told me i just i I know that he said will you marry me and i know that i said yes at some point (laughs) 
<laughs> so no. he could have had some like written out profession of his love. Oh, I don't think And that he just did. didn't get absorbed. I, I'm pretty sure he we were talking a little bit, but it was mostly like mm-hmm. when I went up there, apparently he was prepped by his sister with the camera apparently to like make sure that I was standing in a certain spot for optimal, (laughs) you know, photo, you know, blocking. (laughs) And so I remember going up there and kind of being like, Oh my God, is this actually happening? And he just grabbed me by the shoulders and he's like, okay, you're going to stand here. (laughs) And then I'm going to do this. And that's when he got down on one knee. This is all very Gavin. Yes. I'm I'm pretty sure I honestly don't remember. I I don't think he had a speech. I think he just went into um Maria, will you marry me? Mhm. And yep, yeah, and I said yes. I put the ring on. The you know, cheers broke out from our families that were watching from like the doorway um mm-hmm. that's the sliding glass back door. And and yeah, we took a bunch of photos in the backyard with everybody, a bunch of me and him, of course. When we went back in, they had like decorated the living room with like, she said yes, garlands and Aww. balloons and more flowers. And they also, on the um, the fireplace mantle, they hung this garland that were these like cardstock, cardstock cutouts of rings, uh-huh. like of an engagement ring. And then from them, it was very clever, from them they were hanging, um, they printed out a bunch of photos of us two from throughout the years, like our best photos from Instagram. And so like from each ring, there was a photo hanging of us Mm -hmm. two on it and it had like a little sign on the mantle that said, this is us. Um, It was really, 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 really cute, very thoughtful. And I'm like, wow, like I knew that an a proposal was going to happen soon but i really like really didn't decide to read i, I decided not to read the signs mm-hmm. like um i think i told you how like my mom is like let's get our nails done and then 10 10 minutes later his sister texts me saying like come get your nails done with us right <laughs> um and they had also uh texted me the day of Mm-hmm. Saying, like, can you let Gavin know to dress up a little because we're going to all dress up for him mm-hmm. as a very roundabout way of letting me know that we're dressing up. And right. when my mom came back from, quote unquote, Aaron's day of, she was actually over at the house helping set up. Um, so, like, everyone she, knew. Everyone knew. Everyone was in on it except for my sister, Leticia. Oh, okay. Um, which is understandable because she can't hold a secret for right. shit. <laughs> if anything, there was a moment where my mom was telling her to like get dressed up. She didn't want to. And I think my mom had to just tell her like right before, you know, mm-hmm. like as she was getting ready, like Maria's going to get proposed to. We're all dressing up for that. She's like, oh, OK, OK, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then she was like, <laughs> all for it. Right. She really just wanted to wear some like overalls or something. <laughs> I don't blame her. Those are so comfy. Oh, yeah. And they were cute overall. She, like, even came into my room before she was told what was going on. She's like, I want to wear these pink overalls, but mom wants me to wear this floral dress. And then I told her, I'm like, well, I'm going to be dressing up. Maybe you should go for the dress so that you don't feel underdressed. Mm-hmm. 
And then she kind of like begrudgingly like sighed and then went back. And then I think my mom told her like, right. this is why we're doing it. And then she was all for it. Um, Gosh, like what else? Oh, yeah. So then my mom, while she was on her way home after setting up, she stopped by Target. And she, I remember her texting me being like, oh, my God, I found this super cheap dress at Target. It's super, super cute. Do you like it? It's like this, mm-hmm. you know, pretty floral dress. And I'm, I'm wearing it in the photos if you go on my social media. <laughs> uh, and she brought that home. She's like, maybe you wear it tonight. <laughs> so it's just like all these things where I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Everything's normal. <laughs> I yeah. love that. And it was perfect because we, um, for months, we've had tickets to the Bottle Rock Music Festival in Napa. Right. And we were, we were going with almost all our friends the next day. So it just kind of all timed out perfectly that the next day we could be with our close friends and celebrate with them as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's why we're recording a day late, y'all, because I was a little wrapped up in some stuff that happened this week and I forgot to wrap up my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's okay. It's just a day. It's the rain. Day. It's so pretty. It's it's so pretty. Like he did such a good job for you know someone who I went ring shopping with. He knew exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I'm, not, like, I'm not so surprised, but the like the setting that we tried on. So we went to Brilliant Earth, which like we're not sponsored, but I'm a huge fan of theirs. They use beyond conflict free jewels um Mm -hmm. and gemstones as well as diamonds of course um and all their jewelry is made out of recycled metals um so it's all kind of like you know all very like fair trade very ethical right very earth friendly and um yeah when i went to the ring shopping appointment with gavin they only had the setting in silver and i wanted it in gold and they had it in a round like stone mm-hmm. setting and I wanted it oval and so it was like I knew what it would look like somewhat but actually seeing it in real life like it's just it's so pretty and it's like everything yeah. I wanted and and it's 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 really funny because like while I was while we were there um I keep saying I like as if Gavin isn't a participant in this but uh, <laughs> it's my day no it's our day um, while we were there at the um, ring shopping appointment, I just like was looking at the wedding bands just for funsies. And I'm like, oh, and that that's like really cute and like simple and minimal, but unique. And she's like, oh, the, the lady that was helping us, do you want to try it on? And I did. And so at the end of the appointment, they write down a little card with like notes so that Gavin could go home and, you know, if he wasn't going to order right then and there, he could go home, order (laughs) online or like remember all the details. And she had actually, I guess, noted the wedding band that I liked. Mm -hmm. So I remember when he got down on one knee and he opened the box, I was surprised to see two rings because he also like went ahead and bought the (laughs) wedding band. I'm like, oh, (laughs) I think I said, I'm like, oh, my God, are we getting married like right now? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like... (laughs) I started laughing. There's some like photos of me um, laughing at him. I feel bad, but he was like, he just like, he's like, no, I just got it. Anyways, will you marry me? Like, can we get to the point? <laughs> Graham um, proposed with both. Really? Yeah, in the box, and he took both out to to put on my finger, and oh. I was like, well, I just need this one. For yeah, for starters. Yeah, and we'll now, get like, to you know, that one. 
it's taken care of and everything. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, it was one that I really, really loved. Um, and he won't let me wear it. I was like, what if I just like wear it a little bit? I just want to see what it looks like. And he's like, no, it has to be special. Oh. Yeah, no, I snuck it a couple times before we got married. <laughs> just a couple times. I just wanted to know what just it would to look see like. What it looks like, like together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so very, very exciting. We're going to be married next year in October. October. Nice. Mm-hmm. Speak of the devil. Congratulations, yeah, I was, fiance. I was, just, I was just telling them our proposal story. Here comes the lizard lord. Say something. These viewers don't know about the lizard lord. I know. I told Some them it's an inside do. joke for our Patreon members. And if you'd like to be in on the joke, sign up for Patreon. Just got home from school. Oh, yeah. From school. What? Here's my fiance. Say <laughs> hi. Uh, hi, Gavin. And the listeners were recording. Just want to say that I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> well said. I'll let you get back to your business. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. you. See you later. Bye. What's the demographic? I you? knew you weren't done. <laughs> What's the demographic? You yeah, he wants listeners. our stats. I can pull I them up on Buzzsprout. It's women between 24 and 36 years old. Mostly. That's Mostly. That's our, our major demographic. But Man, I just don't think that's the target demographic of what I'm trying to make, so. Well, your lizard lords? Right, no, no, we know. We know what the demographic is. Don't don't reveal the deets. <laughs> if you want to know, sign up for our Patreon. Keep it exclusive and special for our Patreon members. I'm looking for the youth. <laughs> 18 the to youth. 24. Mm-hmm. We probably have some younger. On but... college budget. Yeah, we for sure have some younger people. It's just that the majority of them are a little older. Looks like a, uh, mostly from Chicago. You know, we well, have so mostly, many but... from the Midwest. Um, a lot of our mm-hmm. earlier episodes had a lot of hits in Ohio as well. Yeah, we've got some interesting. Hey, Laura. Yeah. I left my pants on on the bed. Uh-huh. And they're still there in the exact same way I left them this morning. No changes. He's trying to embarrass me because I never make the bed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm just saying, like. And I'm I just like saying. It. I like it when I can leave something there, have lots of things happen. Yeah. And then I come back and it's still the same in the same spot right where I left it. Yeah, you're welcome for that. Good and predictable. And I mean, really I did glad. move it aside a little bit to sit and watch some friends earlier, so. I'm glad the viewers were able to understand that. Perfect. As they should. Get out. Love you. Bye. Get out? Get out. Okay. So, yeah, so that was our proposal story. We are engaged AF. It's going to be next year in October. Nice. Wait, when is your anniversary? We cheated and have two. The right. First one is the fifth. That's when we had the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is the 28th. Gotcha. That's when we had the reception. Kevin, stop being a little shit. I told you to be quiet. You're just like tossing your keys around the place we'll just put this shit on pause this is what i said yes to okay i'm gonna make a note to Mm -hmm. cut it out from here that's what i said yes to 
that's once you're you are married, you will be telling yourself that every day. Every little thing. He's way more manageable without an audience. Yeah. Loves that attention. I think mine's the opposite. If there's people around, more likely to agree with whatever I say just to mm. move forward. <laughs> okay. All right. Any um anything new with you? I graduated therapy. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> I'm moving on to group therapy. All right. Feel, Have you feels attended very your late. first group session yet? No, my my I graduated yesterday. Gotcha. From therapy, and she um, suggested a few different options for like what should come next. She's like, it's totally up to you. She mentions like talk therapy, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. since I did a cognitive behavior program. And mm-hmm. have graduated it after making improvements. I technically, by insurance eyes, do not need therapy. So she was like, for one on one, unfortunately, it would have to be out of pocket because, like, you've made progress. That's just how insurance works. I was like, oh. I get it. I do. Yeah. Um. So I was like, well, maybe I'll try the group therapy and see how that goes. And then, you know, maybe down the line, do just the talk therapy, but like once a month or something. Gotcha. So, um, I start at the end of the month and it's a particular kind of group. It's not CBT. It's called ACT. Oh, that Um, sounds really familiar. Acceptance and commitment therapy i think is what it's called which makes it sound very like relationship <laughs> right but it's like that's not it it's um it's different okay but it's like a form of cognitive behavior therapy and she's like that's basically what we've been doing and i was like oh okay now i can look into it more too but yep i graduated uh she said she was proud of me and it almost made me cry and I stopped myself and then I joked, Aww. well, I guess I haven't totally improved because I still do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of, that's all that's really been going on for me, but happy about it. Well, I'm really happy for you. Thank that's you. Really great. Yeah. I feel and, good. Uh, group- I feel great. I feel wonderful. That's awesome. And speaking of therapy, this guy could have used some guy in my story. Oh, my God. All of them. I that's I was out sick yesterday and today from work for mm-hmm. a number of things I've had happening. Um, and I watched. What is it called? Evil. Evil lives. Here something like that. It's on the Discovery Plus app. Ah, yes. And every single episode, I like couldn't stop watching, but every single one I'm like that person needed therapy. These parents are bullshit. Why are they so <laughs> surprised their son did this? The signs were all there. Yeah. I, everybody needs therapy and it 
it's unfortunate that it's only mostly apparent once someone has become a killer of some kind. Yes. So uh, we're going to talk about Robert Ben Rhodes today for true crime. Robert Ben Otherwise Rhodes. known as the truck stop killer. Oh, Ben. Have you heard of this one? Ben on the roads in his truck. <laughs> <laughs> good one. I didn't even think of that as I was writing this story. That wasn't good. Wow. That was stupid. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start our story on April 1st, 1990. April Fool's Day. Um, but, but it was no joke. But it certainly was no joke. <laughs> a state trooper of the Arizona Highway Patrol Division spotted a tractor trailer on the shoulder of the highway. Um, as he approached uh, in his vehicle to see if the driver like needed any assistance, the trooper stumbled upon a scene out of a horror movie. What he witnessed was chained up inside the truck a nude young woman with a gag over her mouth and a terrified look on her face. She was screaming through the gag as best as she could, right? Mm -hmm. The truck's driver, Robert Van Rhodes, tried to explain that it was a private consensual matter, that there was nothing, you know, criminal going on. Um, But the trooper, of course, wasn't convinced. And he soon placed Rhodes under arrest. While waiting for backup, he discovered a 25 caliber automatic pistol in Rhodes' possession. At the time, Rhodes faced only kidnapping and assault charges. But as authorities started digging in, Robert Ben Rhodes, they would learn, a.k.a. the truck stop killer, was actually one of the most dangerous sex offenders and serial killers in American history. So this guy, born November 22nd, 1945 in Council Bluffs, Iowa, Rhodes' early life was pretty normal. Um, He did have some, like, social issues in his formative years, but nothing Mm -hmm. that screamed, like, he's going to be a psychopath or a serial killer or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, everyone that remembers him says he was an active participant in extracurricular activities at his schools. Um, He was involved in different sports, some other programs, including gridiron football, wrestling, choir, and French club. So so far, he sounds pretty normal-ish. Things take a turn. Rhodes' criminal involvement during his high school years were only notable for an arrest in 1961, when he was 16 years old, for tampering with a vehicle, along with an arrest for public fighting in 1962 at age 17. And um, after uh, after that, he soon joined the Marines. Um, in 1964, huh, this is where things get mm, like this guy was normal, but like, what was really going on at home? Okay, right. In 1964, his father was arrested for molesting a 12 year old girl and committed suicide before the trial. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's so, a lot unsaid then, probably. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, so it's like, you know, he see, he was like this super charismatic, charming guy, seemed pretty normal. Like, he had some social, like, kind of chip on his shoulder thing. 
Um, and then he gets into these arrests and you're like thinking like, oh, I guess maybe a little bit of a hellraiser, but like what's to worry about? And then that shit. Yeah. Yep. His dad basically is a piece of shit. Right. A few years later, Rhodes himself was back in trouble with the law for a robbery that saw him dishonorably discharged from the Marines, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, he did go to college, but then he pretty quickly dropped out. Um, he later attempted to join a law enforcement agency, of which one particularly, I'm not sure. Maybe it was just like a local PD. Right. Um, but was likely rejected for his past dishonorable d- discharge from the Marines. Throughout the 1970s and 80s, Rhodes married three times, having a son with his first wife. Um, He found work in stores, supermarkets, warehouses, and restaurants. In the 70s, Rhodes had found work as a truck driver. And during the 1980s, he developed interests and hobbies, amongst which involved um, him being into the BDSM swinger scene in Texas. Okay. Now, I am not saying it, because, like, let me tell you, when I was doing my research, I found a lot of old articles that was spitting the whole, like, he was into BDSM, of course he was a killer. Like, he obviously drew inspiration from his BDSM lifestyle, but I am not saying, I'm a very sex-positive person, I am not saying that just because you are into BDSM, that you're innately, like, evil or have a criminal mind or anything. It's just so silly how people distort people's sex lives into, like, well, no wonder that happened to them or no wonder they did this. But, you know, in this case, the BDSM stuff did bridge into his kind of um, Mm -hmm. signature, I guess, of what he would do to his victims. Mm -hmm. Um. It was also during this time that he allegedly verbally, physically, and sexually abused his third wife, Deborah Rhodes. So I'm going to say that I personally am not into BDSM, Mm -hmm. but I know that, like, consent is a huge thing. It's a huge thing in sex, period, but it's also a big thing. It's what makes it BDSM versus abuse. Exactly. It's all about consent. So I'm also going to clarify that him being being into BDSM doesn't make him a sex abuser or just like an abusive person. He is just an abusive person. Yeah. Um, And what the authorities learned much later is that while out on the road, Robert Ben Rhodes tortured, raped, and killed possibly as many as 50 women. He even took photos of some of his victims before murdering them, of which um, I will, I'll give you a link so that you can see it, okay. see them as I'm reading along. It really sucks. There, there's, even for like the, um, I guess, so-called popular BDSM community, like if you pay for content of that kind of stuff, um, there are known people who make content and they will talk about consent all the time. And I think it was about a year ago, there was one couple where they were giving like lessons on consent and BDSM. And then it came out that he was massively abusing her Ugh. and he had done it 
to her and a previous um, wife or partner. I can't remember. Um, And then it was kind of like, if you look back, you could see this pattern of, oh, okay. But at the time, it made it a little difficult because that was their world. And Mm -hmm. even she would, she spoke out after and she's like, you guys don't understand. Like, yes, we liked this kind of stuff, but when the consent stops, that's when it's not okay. And it, it, it was a thing. It was talked about for a while, but. Oh, I saw one of the pictures. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's ringing. Okay. Bells in my brain. Um, so, yeah, so it's presumed that his actual first murder happened long before, you know, the incident that I described in the beginning of the story. Right. Um, but Robert Ben Rhodes' first confirmed murders happened in January of 1990. Mm-hmm. After he was arrested in Arizona in April of that year, he confessed to the murders of newlyweds Patricia Walsh and Douglas Zizek. Ziskowski. Mm-hmm. So the couple had left Seattle in November of 1989. And what used to be super popular to do is hitchhiking. People hitchhiked <laughs> left and right. Like it baffles me, really. <laughs> but apparently that's what we had to do to discover that some people can do very evil things to other humans. Yeah. Um, so they were hitchhiking their way to Georgia. And they're like this Christian couple. They're like preaching the gospel and stuff. Um, and, you know, obviously it's nothing special during this time in 89. Like, I forget when hitchhiking became super popular, like in the 50s or 60s. And I, I think like at the, the end 60s, of the 80s. Especially the late yeah. 60s. Oh, yeah. So Rhodes picked them up in Texas. He killed Douglas Ziskowski, the husband, immediately. Um, however, he held on to Patricia Walsh as prisoner for more than a week, during which time he tortured and raped her repeatedly before shooting her to death. Um, authorities found Siskowski's body near Interstate 10 East of Ozona, Texas, later in January, though it actually wasn't identified as him until 1992. Oh, wow. Why did it take so, so long? Um, I think because he'd already been dead for mm, a couple months, like maybe the body was just so decomposed Mm. that wasn't like immediately identifiable. And also it was in Texas. It was nowhere near Seattle. I don't think anybody from their family knew exactly where their whereabouts were Mm -hmm. to kind of really pinpoint, you know what I mean? Right. And that's a big issue. Um, in this in this case and why I think, you know, he was caught so late. Right. Um, and it took almost 13 years. So if you think that's about it, it took almost 13 years for authorities to identify Walsh's remains after deer hunters found her body near the mouth of a canyon in Millard County, Utah, identifiable only by dental records. So that's wow. why it was so long, because, like, dental records matching wasn't a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty recent thing, really. So it took, mm-hmm. it took a while. Um, committed soon after he dispatched uh, the newlyweds, the crime that ultimately earned Rhodes a life sentence 
was the rape and murder of Regina K. Walters, who was only 14 years old. She was from Pasadena, Texas, um, hitchhiking with her boyfriend, Ricky Jones, and Robert Ben Jones picked them up in February of 1990. Just like with Douglas, Rhodes killed Jones, uh, Ricky Jones right away, mm-hmm. whose remains were later found in Mississippi. But he kept Walters hostage for several weeks or more, maybe like maybe even like more than a month Mm -hmm. um, in what's been called his traveling torture chamber. Uh, Meanwhile, he took several photos of her as he held her captive. Photographic evidence seized during a search of Rhodes' home revealed photos showing different lengths of Walt's uh, Walters uh, hair growth, various bruises. Mm -hmm indicating that he held her for a substantial amount of time. And his traveling torture chamber was the sleeping cabin in his truck Mm -hmm. that he fashioned basically as, like, that, like, torture dungeon. Mm -hmm. During Walter's imprisonment, Rhodes um, would even call her father from payphones. On one call, he told Walter's father that he cut her hair, just kind of, you know, just teasing and getting yeah. getting a kick out of it. Um, and then you can see on the Google Doc the two images of, like, basically the moments right before right. he I kills her. Again, she is 14. A lot of people have seen this but may not know uh, yeah. her name or the case. Yeah. It's so funny when I first ran in, uh, ran across this photo. Is it just me or does she kind of look like Winona Ryder in these photos? So I thought it was some sort of like weird. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I'm like, is this like a weird like a uh, behind the scenes on a movie? And like she doesn't look happy. <laughs> um, and then I quickly like read the caption. And I'm like, oh, never mind. Right. <laughs> and I'm kind of. I was kind of like, oh my god. It was um. It's some sort of Instagram account that I follow that shows, like, very interesting, like, historical photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always has, like, very interesting stories behind it. Um, and that's basically, like, how I came across this story. Mm-hmm. So, after torturing um, Regina with fishing hooks mm-hmm. and other various other instruments, Rhodes took one final set of photos of Walters just before killing her with a bailing wire garrote. Afterward, he threw her body in a barn off of Interstate 70 in Illinois, where it was found in September. When the Illinois state trooper who was trying to identify the body of Regina Walters put her forensic description out on the national teletype, he was totally unprepared for the response. He requested information on a missing Caucasian female aged 13 to 15 years old who had disappeared six to nine months earlier, and he got over 900 matches. So that's also an issue with just, like, how long it took to identify some of these bodies. There were so many people missing. So many people missing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so by then, Rhodes had been in custody for about five months, actually, when when they found Regina's body. So he was convicted for the Walters murder in 1994 and sentenced to life behind bars in Illinois. Mm -hmm. 
but authorities couldn't get him for anything else for a really long time. Um, after he began serving his sentence, however, he started confessing to other murders committed during his life on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, he only faced consequences for the murders of Walsh and Ziskowski in 2012. Like, this is actually oh, all wow. pretty, pretty recent, like, all this yeah. kind of legal stuff. Um, and then more than, tw- this is obviously more than 20 years after the crimes were committed. After a years-long <coughs> pre-child period, Rhodes pleaded guilty to both murders and received another life sentence as part of a deal with prosecutors to avoid the death penalty. According to District Attorney Steve Smith, quote, I've been a prosecutor since 1979, and it was one of the rare occasions when I was in the court where the defendant walked in and you felt the evil. The hairs on my ar- arms stand up right now talking about it, unquote. Other prosecutors and cops who worked the truck stop killer case um, over the years also felt Rhodes' evil. Um, Though such allegations have never been confirmed, the authorities widely suspect that Rhodes actually killed dozens of women. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement cross-references trucking logs with records of young women that went missing over a 15-year span when he was believed to be active, ultimately suggesting that he was potentially responsible for about 50 murders or wow. as many as one to three women a month during his peak. While not all 50 cases have been tried, uh, tied to Rhodes yet, Rhodes himself would only admit to three murders. Um, the FBI has strong reason to believe that at his peak he was, he was killing. At least that, like, at yeah, that one frequency, to one to three women, yeah. women a month. Um, his truck was fully equipped for the things that he did to these poor women. Authorities found a dungeon-like compartment between the seats, as well as handcuffs on the ceiling so that victims could be chained and tortured. They also found a so-called murder kit containing chains, cords, whips, and leashes, as well as dildos and clips, pins, and fish hooks that he used on the genitals of his victims. He also loved, like, cutting their hair was huge for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he loved not only cutting the hair on their head, but also shaving their pubic, re- pubic regions. Yeah. Um, but without confessions or hard ed- evidence, unfortunately, we probably will never know for sure just how many people Robert Ben Rhodes murdered during his reign all those years ago. Right. While authorities suspect that there are dozens of unsolved murders out there, um, that are hiding, you know, within Rhodes's, you know, story. One story recently surfaced about one of his past hitchhiker victims. In 2015, several law enforcement agency- agencies shared a photo of a young woman taken by Rhodes inside his truck in 1985 on Facebook. It was on the same roll as the shots of Regina K. Walters. It was actually, like, the last photo taken. Oh. Of that role. Um, they, the authorities, like, they just basically figured that this woman was another dead victim of the truck stop killer, and they were trying to identify her. Um, if you look at the photo, her face is pretty, like, blown out with the light, 
but you can see that she has oh yeah like, long dark hair so i mean it's still mm-hmm. long so he hasn't you know really Didn't done anything, do anything to her yet yeah she even seems to kind of be smiling a little bit um so she doesn't the door looks under open duress. too the door looks open so they put this on facebook Again, they're thinking that this is a, a dead woman, but a woman from Saskatchewan named Pamela Milliken recognized the young woman as herself. Oh. Milliken said that she was hitchhiking to go find her brother in Winnipeg when she ended up in Rose's truck. When he snapped a photo of her just after she got in, she asked, like, what the hell? Why'd you do that? And mm-hmm. he said, oh, well... I keep photos of my passengers so that I can show them to the cops in case anyone ever tries to rob me and flees. Um, and mm-hmm. she's like, okay, that's like reasonable. Um, and then she goes on to like say like, well, he told me he was going to Florida and he wanted me to come with him. And like, I don't know about you, but that's like the opposite right. <laughs> way to Winnipeg. Yeah. At one point, he po- and this is where it gets really nasty. At one point, he pointed to a sign on his dashboard that said, cash, grass, or ass, no one rides for free. Oh, I've seen those signs. Yeah, which is disgusting. Yeah. And she's like, I didn't have any money, and I didn't smoke pot, so I knew which one it would be. Um, and they had what Milliken described as a consensual sexual encounter and he dropped her off at a bus depot in Winnipeg. So yeah. I don't want to say she got lucky because still, you. Right. Yeah. But yeah. at least she is alive. Right. Um, so, of course, many weren't as fortunate as Milliken to come out alive. Um, while Rhodes will never see the light of day, we may never know just how many lives he took. He is now 75 years old and is currently serving his two life sentences without the possibility of parole at the Maximum Security Menard Correctional Center in Chester, Illinois. If there are more murder confessions to make there, there may be time yet for other families to find some semblance of closure and justice. So honestly, fingers crossed. But the way that he is often described by the FBI, he's a sexual sadist. He's also a narcissist. He loves to think that he's the expert on everything. Yep. And unless he thinks that there's something in it for him, he's not going to give any more information. Right. Um, and But that is the story of the truck stop killer. Ugh. A gross man. Yeah. Pretty gross. Gross man. Not you, Bishop. I said it and he looked over at me. <laughs> poor bishop he's like what are you talking about <laughs> i call him my little man all the time <laughs> you're a good man <laughs> wow yeah i've definitely heard of parts of that but never like start to finish i don't think mm-hmm. and i just knew about regina yeah yeah it's it's um yeah, the, the photos are very, very um, haunting, for sure. Yeah. And those are literally her last moments. And obviously that was like his souvenir. He loved taking photos of his victims. Yeah. Ugh. Sad. 
really sad. Well, I can I can take us into something less sad. Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> something more mysterious. Um, this was actually something that my topic uh, when I first joined the podcast. I don't even know if I had officially joined yet, but it was like, oh, I'm going to help. And it was supposed to be the first paranormal thing that I covered ever. Graham suggested this topic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know, like, I'll have to look into it more. I didn't go with it. And then I forgot about it. So now I figured after (laughs) over a year of being a part of the podcast, (laughs) I'll do it. it. Right. I'll do it. I'm excited. Yes, and I I have to say it was also re-sparked by a series that I watched. Um, I think it was Shudder through Amazon, though for a second I thought it was on Hulu, but I think it's just on Shudder. And now I'm going to blank on what it was called. But it was this show that they had only four seasons of, and each season was a different story. And there was one season. Oh, and all the stories are based off of Creepypasta either stories or like inspired by things that have been written on creepypasta. So there was one right. um, season that was inspired by this topic of a staircase to nowhere being found in oh. the middle of the forest. Oh, I've heard of these. Yes. And Not a lot, but I've just seen like photos pretty much. I, I initially was hesitant because I'm like, I know it got started on Reddit. So like, it's probably just one of those like fun stories that that aren't real but then when i looked into it more there are thousands upon thousands of people saying that they've all had some strange experience with staircases in the middle of nowhere so at that point you know if enough people say that they've experienced something i feel like there's something to it so um and it actually you know as i mentioned there were things that got started on creepypasta but this one was found on the subreddit called No Sleep, which okay. for years was actually one of my favorite uh, subreddits to go through because it's just creepy stories, creepy pictures. Love it. Yeah, I love it so much. Um, <laughs> so what's interesting about the story that kicked it all off that was shared is it was shared on No Sleep, but it was shared as one of several stories by somebody. Um, and I think they labeled it, I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service. Oh. So it was all these creepy things that they experienced working for, you know, as like a, a, a search and rescue person. So I'm, I'll start it off by sharing, uh, part of what they wrote. Okay. So, okay. So they start off by writing, they like go through their whole story and then they get to this and they Mm -hmm. say, this is the last one I'll tell. And it's probably the weirdest story I have. Now, I don't know if this is true in every SAR unit, search and rescue unit, but in Mm -hmm. mine, it's sort of an unspoken regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point, we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't seem weird anymore. 
on just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at some point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some, and the other officer just told me not to worry about it, that it was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very empathetically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. Now, that was their first post. It was really long. That was all they shared about the staircases. Okay. So some people hear it. They kind of brush off the idea because it's an anonymous poster poster on on Reddit. Um, But I think what's... I important to note, I guess, is the author of it discussed a number of creepy occurrences. This was just one of them. So it wasn't intended to be, it wasn't intended or written to get the attention that it got, basically, um, this particular part. And he followed, um, he followed up to his post with a second one to address a lot of questions that he received because people, you know, will leave comments on these. And a lot of people were curious about these stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of them was that some people accused him of copying uh, David uh, Polides. Polides. Basically, he's a former police officer who's now an investigator who's most norn- known for hunting Bigfoot. Oh, okay. But it's like also very different than that. I think they're just yeah. kind of taking like. That's a. I would say that's kind of a reach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he like addressed I see the parallels, that. but it's like not that similar. Exactly, um, and he's not like making it his life's work now to go investigate these staircases. He's right. just sharing his stories or her stories. I don't know who they are. Yeah. Um, there he they wrote there was a lot of feedback about the stairs, so I'll touch on them briefly here, and I'll also include a story. Uh, they came. They come in a variety of shapes, sizes, styles, and conditions. Some are pretty dilapidated, some just ruins, but others are brand new. I saw one set that looked like they came from a lighthouse. They were metal and spiral, almost old-fashioned. They don't go up infinitely or further than I can see, but some sets are taller than others. Like I said before, just imagine the stairs in your house as if someone cut and pasted them in the middle of nowhere. I don't have any pictures. It's never really occurred to me to try again after the first time, and I don't really feel like risking my job over it. I'll try again in the future, but I can't really promise anything. And that was, they like kind of ended it there um, mm-hmm. and tried to move on. And people had questions about like other stories too. So finally, people were just like, we need more about these staircases because people were starting to say, well, like, I've seen something similar. But, like, I don't know how similar it is. Like, can you elaborate? So they wrote, like, a whole second story where they shared other stories again, but elaborated on the staircase story. So I'll read that one. They write, one of my first jobs as a trainee was a search op for a four-year-old kid that had gotten separated from his mom. This was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him because the dogs were on a strong scent trail and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch about half a mile from where we'd last seen the kid uh, or where he had last been seen. The kid Mm -hmm. wasn't even aware that he wandered that far. 
One of the vets brought him back, which I was glad for because I'm really not good with kids. And I find it hard to talk about them and keep them company. As my trainer and I are headed back, she decides to take me on a detour to show me one of the hot spots where we tend to find missing people. It's a natural dip in the land uh, near a popular trail, and people will usually move downhill because it's easier. We hike out there. It's a few miles away, and we get there in about an hour or so. As we're walking around the area and she's pointing out places she's found people in the past, I see something in the distance. Now, this area we're in is about eight miles from the main parking area, though there's back roads you can take uh, to get closer if you don't like to hike that far. But we're on state protected land, which means there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out here. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or makeshift shelter that homeless people think they can get away with building. But I can see from here that whatever this is has straight edges. And if there's one thing you learn quickly, it's that nature rarely makes straight lines. I point it out, but she doesn't say anything. She just hangs back and lets me wander over and check it out. I get within about 20 feet of it and all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a staircase in the middle of the fucking woods. In the proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with beige carpet and about 10 steps carpet. tall, right? But I keep like of- imagining like stone steps for some reason. That's wild to have, to have like it with carpet. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what made it so strange because stones, of course, at some point there could have been some old building, but right. some people report things just like this, like something straight Weird. from your house. Ooh, chills. So he continues, but instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and I can see the wood it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing visible. Hmm. I stand there and it's like my brain is working overtime to try and make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me and she just stands there casually looking at, at it as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what the fuck this thing is doing here and she just chuckles. Get used to it, rookie. You're going to see a lot of them. I start to move closer, but she grabs my arm hard. I wouldn't do that. Her voice is casual, but her grip is tight, and I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them. Don't touch them. Don't go up them. Just ignore them. I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking at me tells me it's best if I don't. We end up moving on, and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of my training. She was right, though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're 20, 30 miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere. And I only find them during the broadest searches or training weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for miles, they write. I think they meant a different word. For Um, years, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. All different kinds, all different sizes. The biggest I ever saw looked like they came out of a turn-of-the-century mansion and and were at least 10 feet wide, with steps leading up at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, 
but they just give me the same response my trainer did. It's normal. Don't worry about it. They're not a big deal, but don't go close to them or up them. When trainees ask me about it now, I give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm really hoping someday I get a better answer, but it hasn't happened yet. So after this author shared the full story, um, again, that's when the comment section just exploded with more and more people not asking questions at this point, but sharing their own stories. Wow. Um, So then the question is, this story having started on Reddit, is it real? Are the staircases real? Surprisingly, finding staircases in the middle of nowhere is very real. There are pictures that you can find of staircases um, in different different styles um, in different conditions in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. So mysterious staircases have popped up in several countries, not just the U S um, I, there's been people have talked about Belgium, Portuguese, Portugal, Portuguese. <laughs> um, and again, they're all different. Some of them are made out of stone. Um, or brick, which I think you're more likely to be like, okay, if you see that. But some are made of iron or wood, um, or like, like the one that the park ranger or the search and rescue person mentioned with carpet. Mm-hmm. So they're all different. Um, some of them are even intricate. Some have posted pictures of spiral staircases. Um, they're just all different. It's not like the same ones that are found. All over, but the ones that are found in the U.S. usually are found in national parks, places where they truly are random, because Weird. you can't just build things on a national yeah. park. Yeah, um, it's possible that you know the area was made a park after something had been built there, you know, a long time ago, and but then it's usually it's ruins, right? And what's Not new? <laughs> exactly, and. Usually, if you come across a staircase of ruins, you're also going to see some sort of foundation or yeah. something to go along or with like, it. Or like a chimney or, you know, just mm-hmm. other remnants of a building, not like a random ass just staircase stairs. attached to nothing. Right. Um, typically, these stairs rise from the ground to the sky with very little additional structure attached Uh, So they truly do look like an anomaly just dropped from another dimension with just nothing else. Weird. And obviously some stairs will have an explanation, especially if you do find remnants of some sort of foundation or something like that. Or um, it could have been for some reason, like a wood house that had stone stairs Mm -hmm. leading up to it. But that's usually, you know, just a few steps and maybe it burnt down. Something happened. Um, but that's not always going to be the case. I've, I did read that like staircases are known to be like a stronger structure. So they're yeah. more likely to survive. But again, at the same time, things like a chimney, the basic outline of a foundation should ideally be there too. If there was mm-hmm. a home. Um, and then. Most of these staircases are found situated so far out there without the hint of, of, 
of the foundation of a trail leading there. They're just so random. So I looked into um, if there were like any popular or historical stairs to nowhere just to see, mm-hmm. you know, if there was a thing. And there are actually um, the Etruscan Pyramid of Bomarzo. Now, this is more than just a staircase. It's like stairs that go up. I'll post a picture. Um, okay. But basically, there are structures similar to staircases that can be found seemingly in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. in Europe, not here, because we're right. not that old. But um, <laughs> this one was in Italy. And it's basically, it's a large stone megalith with stairs that lead to a small platform at the top. Mm-hmm. And no one knows for sure what it was used for, but most scholars believe um, it dates back to the 7th century BCE. Wow. And that they were, they did perform like sky-based divinations and sacrifices. So they think this could have been that, like reaching to the sky to reach whoever they thought was up there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of like one thing that I found. Um, There's also mounts. Oh, I meant to look up the pronunciation of this. It's in Cambodia. Uh, Phnom Kulin. It's a, it's a province where basically there is a 2000 foot long abandoned staircase that ascends the Phnom Kulin mountain oh so experts believe the structure dates to sometime between the 9th and 13th century but they're not sure who built it or why so this is this is i mean a very old staircase but they don't know why or for what it does lead to somewhere um it goes up the mountain it goes up uh but i don't think they think it could have served as a pathway to reach the ancient city of something I can't pronounce. But if that's what it was, that's all buried by the jungle. So it kind of leads okay. to another area, but there's nothing there. Gotcha. Um, so that was another thing that I found of a staircase that puzzled people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one story that is. It's like half historical and real, half urban legend, Mm -hmm. because there's various different just variations of the story. So this is uh, in the Philippines. So there was a man named Torquic who was an experienced ranger and was often tasked with searching for missing people in a local jungle. Um, And it happens that he'd have to go looking on a regular basis because the jungle and forests in the area tend to be super dense and difficult to, to navigate safely. Um, and it was during one of his routine patrols that he claimed that he found two staircases that led deep into the forest and out of curiosity and to get a higher vantage point of the forest, uh, he decided to climb the stairs. So the first staircase, this is where it is a little, some people have written that it was two staircases. Some people report that he said it was just one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the first staircase was a stone structure with decorative carvings on it. And the second staircase looked uh, more like something someone had put together with natural stones in the immediate area. He didn't see any sign of missing backpackers, but he did see a stray dog that appeared, uh, quote, vicious. So he okay. hastened forward um, further up the stairs to avoid the dog to try and get away. Um, he he went up the stairs and the dog didn't seem to want to leave him alone. And then I guess eventually the dog did stop. So he was up there for, he thought, like a few minutes till the dog gave up. So then he came back down and returned back to civilization. But when he returned, he basically was told that he had been fired from his job. They were surprised to see him. And he thought that he was out there for like a few hours, Mm -hmm. you know, with the searching and then getting away from the dog and all that. Um, But they told him. This is also where it differs. What I think might have been the original story, he said that he was missing for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. This other source said five years. So Whoa. maybe more like dr- dramatized, but he right. was missing for a while. A very um, manifest like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, and then when they, um, Oh, no, that's this next story. Just kidding. So the next story is from actually the 1940s of a staircase known as the Vanishing Staircase. Mm. So this came from a man who worked for the CDC as an infectious disease specialist. And in the 40s, after the Roswell crash, reports of animal mutilation surfaced. And there were actually a lot of stories shortly after that time um, from that area and other areas. Yeah. But the CDC was called in to assist in the investigation, which was supposed to last only one or two weeks, but in fact lasted six months. During that time, various people worked in the fields, or various people working in the fields reported weird stares that were giving off some type of frequency. They stationed their campsite about 30 meters away from the stairs and spent the night, but when they woke up, the stairs had moved. On the Whoa. ground where the staircase had been, there was a dark black spot that appeared burnt. He continued with the story saying that the next two days, over the course of two days, the staircase um, reappeared about 50 meters away. They decided to do some readings and tried to sample part of the staircase, but the wood structure staircase was harder than steel. So it appeared wood, what? but was too hard. They couldn't, they couldn't chip anything off of it. Wow. So although investigators determined that the stairs emitted a frequency, they couldn't figure out who or why um, or why or who was receiving it. Um, And then six days later, they disappeared for good. (gasps) What? Yeah. So that's another story that was that's been shared. What? Um, And then the final story. Uh, of like a known story that's been passed around a lot is the ghostly staircase in Sweden. So another tale about a staircase in the woods specifically involves two Swedish students who were out hiking. Axel Mm -hmm. and Isaac had been traveling for miles and presumably hours when they came across a staircase in a clearing miles away from anywhere. They were both puzzled, but they couldn't agree about what to do. 
Axel wanted nothing at all to do with the stairs, while Isaac was much more daring. He wanted to climb them and did so. The instant he reached the top, both youths heard a blood-curdling, shrill scream that was sufficient to make them flee the scene. Eventually, they stopped running and recovered their breath. That was when someone put a hand on Axel's shoulder. (gasps) Assuming it to be Isaac, he glanced backward. Isaac stood behind him at a considerable distance, much too far to be within arm's reach of him. Whoever or whatever was responsible for the touch, Axel recalled that it felt cold. Ew. Yeah. <gasps> Ew. Ooh, so many chills over here. Oh, my God. I know. So what gets me about, like, all those stories, like, some of them are just like, okay, stairs. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Too old to really tell. But then when people start sharing stories, what got to me was that they had details, but not too many details. They weren't long stories, but they weren't like super short and basic either. I don't know. There's something I'm so intrigued by this. Like it, it's very intriguing. It's super intriguing. And I started just going through a lot of the comments of people who shared their own sightings and mm-hmm. just oh, the amount of them it's just insane. Um, a couple of excerpts that I found, um, someone wrote, like, I didn't realize that stairs were that common. I came across a set in uh, rural West Virginia. I didn't, I don't think it was quite 40 miles deep, but at least 10 or better. I thought maybe a house once stood there, but there was no cellar or other debris that would indicate a home was there. Just a set of stairs with a base that went up maybe one flight. So like 16 or so steps. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't climb up them because they were worried they might break or fall over and they were alone. And that was it. That was their story. Smart. Um, Super smart, right? Like, I didn't even think of that. I was thinking to myself when I was reading these, like, what would I do if I came across a random set of stairs? I feel like I I would want to climb them just to see, like, is there, like, if I stood at the top, do I, can I see something that you wouldn't see from the ground? Um, yeah. but it wouldn't occur to me that like safety would be an that's, issue. That's what that's what <laughs> would occur to me. I'd be like, we don't know how long this has been here. We don't know if this is some weird elaborate like trap for a serial killer that's waiting for us to like, you know, we have no idea the conditions of the these right. stairs. I maybe would do it if it looked like a solid stone set of stairs. Right. Like marble. <laughs> like almost all one piece. <laughs> heavenly stairs yes (laughs) if there are pearly gates at the end of it but then again i might be like not yet i just got engaged (laughs) i just got engaged it's too soon for me (laughs) well what's interesting is i found another one let's see where is that that where they found um stairs they said it looked like stairs from a normal suburban home kind of old um they were with a cousin they wanted to go up the stairs, but they couldn't see how they were being held up. So they didn't. Yeah. Again, kind of for safety, but also like, yeah. how is this working? Um, and when they like, they went like all around the stairs to kind of figure it out and they couldn't figure it out. They also noted that grass didn't grow near the stairs either. Ew. Yeah. Um, and then on one set of stairs that they came across on a different trip um they were actually it was in the middle of a lake 
and it was stairs coming out of the lake. Um, Water? Yeah. That was sticking three to four feet out of the water with nothing else around it. What the fuck? Right. Just creepy, like, those don't belong there. (laughs) What? I wonder what those ones in the water were made out of. Like, yeah, they metal. I don't think they said. I mean, if it had been wood, you'd think they'd rot at some point and break. Yeah, and like fall over, right? So or like float. <laughs> exactly, not still be standing upright unless it was uh-huh. like a recent thing. Um, but if it was recent, why is it just stairs? Um, mm-hmm. some other ones that I found that were interesting that weren't from the U.S. There was one in Germany. Um. I actually have a picture of this one that I'll share. They write that they saw some stairs in the woods. They didn't know what to think of them. So they took the picture. They're covered in moss, but had like a railing on one side, but like no structure around it. So it kind of stood out to them. Um, Another one, this is one from, from Portugal. Uh, They had seen a few stairs leading to nowhere in a Portuguese forests and fields. They, they noted that they didn't look creepy. Um, but just unsettling since there were no visible signs of there having ever been a building where these staircases were. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of like, that to me, yeah. Normal staircases themselves probably wouldn't be too creepy, but no sign of anything else. A little bit. That would make it creepy again. <laughs> yeah. Um, one person shared, they're actually, this was in southern Norway. They said they were visiting their grandfather while uh, and went hiking, um, like not not a big hike, just like a walk and a picnic in some woods. And with them was their niece and nephew, who are both pretty young. They joined them in hide and seek, um, like a family get together. So they they wrote, "Me and my nephews were first to hide, but we split split up, and I ran alone quite a ways into a thicket of woods, and I found a staircase." Nothing remarkable, riddled with moss and made from what looked like old concrete with large pebbles of rocks in it. It didn't really seem out of place at the time, but thinking back, anyway, I decided it was fit for a hiding place, but after only a few seconds of squatting behind it, I got up and stepped back. I couldn't shake the feeling that I really shouldn't be anywhere near it. I suddenly had this feeling of being severely unwelcome and that I should get as far away from it as possible. So I went back to my family and didn't look back. Thinking about it now, it still gives me the same sort of, I don't know, twisted wrong feeling. So that's another thing that was common in a lot of the comments I wrote or read was that the staircases weren't creepy, but they gave off a vibe that was very, don't want to be near it. Wow. Um, And one person did actually climb some stairs that they found. I was going to say, I want to hear a story exactly. of something that actually went up. <laughs> so they, they climbed the stairs, half expecting there to be like a landing at the, at the top, but there wasn't. Um, and when they got to the top, there was something that caught their eye. The bushes were packed tight, except where there were stumps of dead trees um, that formed like sunken wells around them. And from one of the craters, someone was looking at them. No. Yeah. 
They say, I remember clearly their dark, lean face, their round eyes black. And no sooner had I seen the face than it disappeared again. Only then did I have the foresight to take off down the steps and back through the bushes and brambles. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. Oh, no. Mm. And then I came across a story that was from a travel blogger. Not on Reddit. This was just like their travel blog. And I looked at their page to be like, do they do they make up story? Like, I just want to see what kind of person is sharing this. Travel blogger. That is who they are. That is what they do. And so this one was just different. I checked. It didn't come out around Halloween time. It didn't come out around April Fool's. Like, I just wanted to make sure this wasn't, you know. An exaggerated story or anything, but they and they too took a picture um, of their kid on these stairs. These are also stone that have some moss, but there's no sign of any other sort of structure. There's one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five steps. Um, what what they noted with this one was they came across them. There's their five year old son kind of ran ahead and. When he walked up, he was sitting on the steps um, and he was holding his foot. Um, holding his foot. Let's see. Yeah. So I guess kind of like as maybe he got like it got hurt or something. Oh, like like holding it, like touching it. Yeah. And he had screamed. Mm-hmm. That's right. He had screamed right before. So they came up and he was sitting on the stairs holding his foot. And they wrote that as we got near the stairs, we felt strange. It was like the staircases were hypnotizing us. We were drawn towards it. Usually this happens when you see something mesmerizing, but the stairs uh, that were in front of us were just old stairs. Mm -hmm. It's like nothing that mesmerizing. And as we were going to step on the staircase, Roy, the five-year-old, pulled us back and said, let's go. We tried to ask him why, but he started his... um, saying like I want to go back I want to go let's go let's go and was just continuously whining about the scratch that he got I guess it was a scratch on his foot okay um the whole day they say he acted strangely and was not quite himself and that they had never seen him like that ever um and then till the evening their curiosity to know what happened to him really got to them um they asked him about his weird behavior and he said he felt some Something pulling him towards the stairs, which is like weird for a five year old to say. Um, And they basically chalked it up to some sort of paranormal thing. Mm -hmm. And that was it. (laughs) Like, that's all they really shared was like, this is what we came across. So that kind of got to me that like travel blogger just randomly. So, like, the themes are kind of there. Random stairs. Some are really old. Some are new. No matter what, there seems to be some sort of strange energy that they give off of being unwelcome, not wanting to be there, while at the same time kind of drawing you in. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, all of them have said the same thing, that if you ever encounter a staircase in the middle of nowhere, don't go near it. Um, Some people have even said, given, like, a distance. To like be at least ten feet away Gross. from the staircase. Oh um, Don't have to tell me twice. I'm <laughs> sold. So I, 
I kind of looked at it as, you know, okay, let's say this is real. Well, at the same time, this is just a fascinating story told over and over again. What is the symbolism of stairs? Mm -hmm. Like, what could that represent? So I looked up like dream meanings kind of things. And it can mean anything from reaching your goals to uh, your place in society, where you stand. It could mean um, your spiritual needs. Like maybe you feel you need to get to the next step or you're searching for something spiritually. Um, they've even broken it down like wooden stairs would indicate a need for pra a practical solution in your life. Steel or metal stairs would be a need for strength, whereas stone is a sense of stability that you're looking for. Um, broken stairs even came up, which I kind of thought maybe these oh. are considered broken since they don't go anywhere. And that's symbolic of an aspect of yourself that has been lost. But stairs can also just stand for the unknown. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, well, all right. Especially that ones makes that lead sense. to nowhere. <laughs> yes. Um, and then it also got me thinking about like haunted houses. If a house is haunted and it has stairs, the staircases are always affected. Not that that has anything creepy. to do with these, but yes, they're always creepy. There's always something about them that's creepy. Oh, there's al there's also that, um, honestly, the first, very first podcast that I started listening to that got me into, I've always been interested in the paranormal, but the first like paranormal podcast that I listened to regularly mm -hmm. was um, Ghost Stories Online, and they, what was that, Bishop? <laughs> Domino. Oh, okay. Thank God that was a dog <laughs> growling and not just... <sighs> Fuck. Okay. Um, yeah, they have, like, this inside joke because their whole the whole premise of their show is they just read listener-submitted stories of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And they've noticed this pattern that bunk beds mm. are fucking creepy. Yeah. And that they even, like, for their... Um, Patreon subscribers, or I don't know if they're on Patreon, whatever their paid subscribers are, they, one of their thank you things um, that they send out gifts is um, like a, a a bunk bell, I think they call it, something like that, or a <laughs> bunk bed bell, and you're supposed to like ding it every time there's a bunk bed mentioned, and like when they read a story that there's a bunk bed experience, they're like, oh, oh ring the bell, and <laughs> I never thought much of it, I'm like, that's weird that it's bunk beds. But then when you put, hey, bunk beds, stairs. There's always stairs on bunk beds. Yeah. What the fuck? I think it I I think there's something to stairs. Like okay, so like personally, I've shared tidbits growing up about my house. Um mm -hmm. but there was always something about the stairs. I could mm -hmm. never put my finger on it. It was a new house. My parents bought it when it was still being built. Um, and there wasn't like anything weird there before. Yeah. But there was something about the stairs. Every time I could be at the bottom of the stairs and it was fine. But the top of the stairs always freaked me out. And I never knew why. And for a long time, I tried to figure out, is it like my parents' bedroom? Because like you walk up, it's like the landing. And then it does like a turn of like a hallway right. that goes the opposite way. But at the top, there's like two double doors to my parents' bedroom. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it was often one door was always open and the lights were always off. So I just assumed like that room creeps me out for some reason. I could be in that room and be fine. But if I was outside of it, it gave me weird vibes. But it was mainly the stairs. And it was sitting at the top of the stairs that I would often hear voices, the whispering. Oof. That's where my childhood friend Katrina also heard voices. Like I thought I was just crazy. I was convinced of it until she asked me like, what is that? like oh my god smell too (laughs) yep there was always a smell um just there was something about that and then growing up I would always have dreams of my house like it was me in my house but it was dark and um like kind of like undersaturated kind of a feel Mm -hmm. Um, but it was also just like dark like the lights were out um and it just had like a darker tone to it and the perspective of everything was always off like I've walked up those stairs and gone down the hallway so many times but like you know when you've been somewhere for the first time versus like your hundredth time like it just feels so much more familiar this just every time I would dream of it it felt so unfamiliar and like something lurking kind of a way and in my dream, it was always the staircase that was the worst part of it. Like, I could be downstairs. Everything seemed pretty okay. But as soon as I went upstairs, that's where everything was, like, dark and weird. Mm. And I hadn't dreamed about that in, like, a really long time. And then just, like, within the last year, I can't remember when it was, I dreamt that I was in my house. And it was daytime. It was light. Everything was fine. I had two people with me. I don't know who they were. It was like one of those things where like I knew I knew them, but I couldn't see their faces. Mm -hmm. And they I was going to go upstairs. And at the time, I was like, I wasn't really sure what I was doing, but I was like, I this is something I have to do. And they were trying to tell me, like, don't do it. Just don't go all the way up there. I had a candle and I was like, no, I need to get to the dark place again. And as I got like three quarters of the way up, I blew out the candle because I knew that was going to make it that dark place and everything Mm -hmm. just dimmed right down. And I got to the top and they were still at the bottom. I couldn't see them at the bottom because even downstairs was dark, but I could hear them still saying like, you need to come back down. Like, this isn't the place for you anymore. And so I came back down. It didn't. The top part didn't lighten, but I came back down to them and that was it. And that's, I don't, for some reason it stuck with me, but like, I I have a thing with stairs, like in real life and in my dreams. Yeah. There's something to that. Um, I will say that like my stairs have creeped me out too. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's something to the whole thing with like the top of the stairs. Yeah. Whenever. Like, and this is every night, like my, my family's, um, routine, we don't sit at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very like Dominican thing. Like our family meal is lunch really. So dinner is always like, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. So the most that we do to like gather together is we get our TV trays and we're eating in front of the TV and the way that, my, that. my home is set up is, um, the, like the wall that the TV is on is also the stairs and our stairs are like is open on either mm-hmm. side. 
because we have very, very tall ceilings. So I, yeah. I can see the top of the stairs going into the upstairs from the couch mm-hmm. without fail every single night. Several times while we're down there eating, I see from the corner of my eye someone standing at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And when I go to look, it's gone. But it happens like several times in different lighting. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, when it's dim, like, well, duh. But, like, even if it's bright, if we have all the lights on, it does not matter. I even sometimes feel like I'm seeing someone, like, going down the stairs, like, crouched. Like, trying to yeah. go down, like, without people seeing them. And very often when I've, um, like, been closing up the house for the night or whatever and I'm turning off the lights, um, I mean, I'll still leave the the stairs lights on because I'm a scaredy cat and I hate the dark unless there's somebody with me. But mm-hmm. so many times I've had it where I have this like bodily innate like reaction. Like I will just recoil like as if like you, when you round a corner and you realize that there's somebody in your way and yep. you like kind of like bounce back like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you do that. But your body does that before you realize that you've registered there's somebody there. Mm-hmm. Like I have that feeling. Yeah, not very. That one doesn't happen as often as like seeing someone at the top of the stairs. But that one has happened a few quite a few times where I feel like there's something on the stairs here and I need to give it its time. And then I kind of feel when it's right for me to go back upstairs when I can use the stairs. Whoever's using it is done with it. (laughs) I, I, I feel like I've had similar things happen at my house, too, with that. Yeah, I. I don't know. There's something to it. And I remember one story that you covered like a while back about the house. There was like a documentary about it. Oh, yes. Um, the Mississippi house. Yes. And that there the was A-frame. a weird thing with the stairs there, too. There's yep. just I don't know if a house has stairs. Yeah. There's something weird going on. Oh, that's a great <laughs> one. That's the one I did with my friend Anna. Yeah. When I was still doing like different guest hosts. Yep. Mm hmm. That was a good one. And yeah. I watched the documentary, too, because you, you mentioned oh, you did, it. Yeah, I was like, I, I want to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the whole time I just kept thinking, like, so good. It was so good. But I just I was like, there's something interdimensional going on here. There has it to be. There's just like so many things. Yeah. Like the house was like a portal. And it seems like there's interdimensional like beings or something going on for, for sure. Inter- interdimensional in that house. But if you guys ever watch the movie, oh, God, what is it called? What's the movie called again? Oh, no. I mean, Did they refer to it as the it? Mississippi House. Right. Um, but I forget what the, the documentary is called. Right. Um, and this woman, like, they, she built this A-frame. Like, it's her dream home. It's yep. not like some old-ass house. But it is built on a property where there was previous homes. And it's also in an area that have ha- has had some UFO reportings, not a ton, but some in the past. The house in between. The house in between, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. Look it up. It has um, Ghost Hunters alum, what, what is his face, Gomez. He's great. One of the investigators from um, Ghost Hunters. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's really, really well done, I think, for, like, a paranormal mm-hmm. documentary. It's not at all like watching Ghost Adventures. <laughs> no, they really try to do their, their due diligence. They really um, try to, like, debunk and rule stuff out. And they have so much footage capturing this stuff 
as well as footage of them immediately trying to debunk it. Yeah. And what they do is that they put these balls on the steps and they're carpeted steps. So there's traction. It's not like they're going to easily roll off. Mm -hmm. And they also set them back far enough where you would have to, there would have to be some force that pushes the balls to fall. Right. And it happens so often. And they've Mm -hmm. tried like banging on the ceiling of the closet, like that's underneath the stairs. Mm -hmm. That would be like right underneath the steps. They like bang it really hard. They've even done like leaf blowers or blow dryers and it like nudges them forward a little bit. But there's like, so they rule out that there's like a wind vacuum thing. Mm -hmm. Because even with like strong wind directed at it, they don't nudge forward these balls. Yeah. Enough to fall over and fall down the stairs. Um, And then if you watch it, I'm going to tell you, definitely watch it all the way through. There's something wild that happens at the end when the crew are even like starting to like break down all their equipment. Yeah. I won't like give it away because I I, want to encourage people to see it. It's just so good. Yeah. But yeah, that's another great example of stairs. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like I, the back of my head, it just makes me think like maybe there's something to traveling to different dimensions. Like I actually heard one theorist mention that it, Mm -hmm. the way that things are layered is that it could be that like another dimension is higher. Interesting. So that something like stairs would appear as like a portal. In a way. Well, exactly. Like, maybe that's how you reach. Th- oh, that's That was going to be, like, my theory. I'm like, what if these are stairs to portals? Right. But, you know, it's funny is that we had that listener story just in our last listener stories episode. that she talked about her grandma passing mm-hmm. and that she and her father heard steps going up the stairs. And it was mm-hmm. the moment that she passed and they believed that it was when she was, like, crossing over. Right. And she was, like, literally going back to where she used to live because I guess she used to live upstairs. It was just, like, mm-hmm. that was a really – that's another great example. Yeah. Wow. Good coverage, Laura. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Um, We'll wrap up. That That's everything, right? I'm not cutting you off. Okay. So we'll wrap up. Wow. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, Again, I apologize that this is a day late. Um, But – I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm, ge- I'm fucking engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Had my mind on other shit. Um, if you would like to connect with us, follow us on social media at The New Witches pretty much everywhere. Um, give us a like. Give us a follow. Slide into our DMs. We love when our listeners say hi and connect with us. Um, if you'd like to, we just mentioned the listener stories. If you'd like to submit for a future listeners episode... You can do so on our website, thenewwitches.com. Go to our contact page. And we have a submission form there. You can also email your story and or question indirectly at thenewwitches at gmail.com. And lastly, you can also um, call your question slash story in to our Google voice number. Go straight to voicemail. Don't have to talk to anybody. You have three three minutes to leave your story slash, slash question. And the number to that is 707-559-8111. Lastly, um, best ways to support us is signing up for Patreon. We just mentioned it earlier. We give you guys uh, monthly bonus episodes, other exclusive uh, benefits as a Patreon member. You can find us at the um, 
what is it called? Uh, Patreon.com. The Patreon. No, it's just <laughs> Patreon.com slash The New Witches. Um, and another great way to support us is subscribing and rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would help us so much, so immensely. So even if you don't have, because I understand not everyone can afford to support their favorite podcast, we understand. Tell your friends, tell your families about us, anyone that you think would enjoy the podcast. And those rates and reviews really do help our standing um, and visibility on um, listening platforms. Lastly, um, that is our show. Again, we do have our listeners episode coming up. It happens every 13th of the month. So you have a few more days to get your stories in. Um, And we'll catch you next week with our witchy episode. Yeah. So signing off, I'm Maria. I'm Laura. And you've been listening to The New Witches. Stay witchy. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.